and Father, glory and honor be to you. Unto you shall this gathering be. We ask that, Lord, we will have a unique encounter with you. Let these words not come in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in full assurance. Fill us with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we will walk worthy of you unto all pleasing. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. For those he foreknew, he predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. And those he predestined, he called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. Thank you, Father, for this calling. As we sit at your feet tonight, with joy we draw from the wells of salvation. We are clenched. We are charged. We are ignited. And our hearts are transformed. We give you praise and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. We want to appreciate the presence of uh, Pastor Seti Wa. Can we appreciate the man of God? And today, Pastor Seti is here with his sister. From, from, is it from Canada or from, from Belgium? Can we appreciate it? That's um, Mrs. Benis. Panford. Hallelujah. Let's appreciate her. Come on. What a blessing. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming. Hallelujah. All right, so we, I want to share something um, brief with you, and then we are going to pray. Hallelujah. Um, there's something I, I prepared for you, which I titled the be- prayer, the believer's advantage. Prayer. The believer's advantage. Prayer, the believer's advantage. I don't think I can be able to finish it, but wherever we get, we're going to continue from next week. I believe that tonight you're going to be so blessed. Praise God. Now, um, one great man of God in church history called Leonard Ravenhill said, Our fellowship with the Lord is the secret of our strength and power. Our fellowship with the Lord is the secret of our strength and power. Leonard Ravenhill went on to say that God is not prodigal with his power. But to be matched for God, we must be matched with God. I don't think you may be able to write all these things, but maybe you can listen to me or get a teaching later. Leonard also went on to say that he who kneels before God will stand anything. He said, if you don't have a prayer life, your Christian life will be epileptic. Martin Luther once said that I have so much to do that I spend two hours daily with God in prayer. Which means that to him, busy schedules were actually the very reason why he should pray. He went on to say that if I 
fail to spend two to three hours with God in prayer, the devil gets the victory through the day. Another man also put it right. He said, pray without ceasing means to pray without ceasing. Hallelujah. And yesterday, I was having a chat with Pastor Said, and we, we, we were having a chat, and then he said that to pray without season means prayer must be extreme. Prayer was designed to be what? Extreme. Do you know that too much of everything is bad? But not prayer. Too much of prayer is good for you and it's bad for the devil. <laughs> Praise God. No prayer, no power. More prayer, more power. I put down a lot of things I'm going to be sharing. Praying Christians. One man called Wesley Dunwell. He made a very profound statement. He said, prayerless Christians are not filled and controlled by the spirit no matter what they profess. He went on to say that the worst sin is prayerlessness. Because that sin bets other sins. One great man said, Christ intended prayer to be the great power by which his church would do its work. Then certainly the neglect of prayer by the church is the greatest reason for its powerlessness. One great man also called Samuel Chadwick, he said, it will seem as if the biggest thing in God's universe is a man who prays. There is only one thing more amazing. That is the man knowing this should not pray. If you want to really know who is in charge of your life, start or try fasting and praying. You will know whether it is the flesh or the devil or the Holy Spirit. I repeat myself again. You really know who is in charge of your life when you start to pray. If the Holy Ghost is not in charge, that's when you realize that you are struggling. Even five minutes is a problem. We will know who controls your life when you start to pray. Another great saint said, man, it is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees because he comes face to face with God. Another man also said, God doesn't help you to pray. He helps you as you pray. Another great man also said, prayer is breathing. As we pray, we inhale God and exhale the flesh. We breathe in God and breathe out flesh. Which means prayer destroys fleshly appetites as it is exposed to the presence of God. 
Another man said, prayer makes the presence of Jesus so real. And the presence of Jesus will keep the devil out and seem bound. Another man said, the more we pray, the more darkness we draw away from us. You know why? Because prayer produces light. Another great man said, to render prayer a secondary activity is to retire God from your life. God moves in our lives as we cooperate and collaborate with him through prayer. Another man said, if you cannot point to any progress in your spiritual life, you can trace it to lack of prayer. Another man said, prayerless Christians are weak, vulnerable, helpless, powerless, and profitless. Let me tell you something. Satan has a never give up spirit. He has a very strong persistent spirit. You know what that means? It means that his most preoccupation or his greatest or most important preoccupation is to stop believers from praying. Pay attention to me. So John Buyan on his deathbed, his last words where prayer is a sacrifice to God. A scourge to the devil and a shield to the soul that he gave up the ghost. That was his life. No wonder Jesus said he spake this parable to this end that man always ought to pray and not faint which means the opposite of not praying is fainting. Too many Christians are weak because they have left the altar of prayer. Too many believers are powerless to deal with the flesh, Satan, sin, and all kinds of temptations because they did not pray. In the book of John chapter 4, the verse 2 of Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do. Normally, when we are speaking with regard to this verse, we always say that the greater works is miracles. But we are forgetting that the works Jesus did involved giving, involved evangelism, involved fasting and prayer. So when Jesus says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do. He said, fasting and prayer is part of it. You also do it. And greater works, that means you should end up praying more than Jesus. And greater works than this. So you will end up fasting more than Jesus. <laughs> I'm teaching good here. Hmm. In the book of Luke chapter 11, the verse 1. The disciples came to Jesus Christ. Because they realized that uh, this man loves praying too much. Samuel Chadwick said, if I'm given a chance to restart my ministry, I'll spend two-thirds of my life praying and one-third studying the word. Why he said that, I still don't understand. They saw Jesus rise up a great war before they mark. 135 went to a solitary place and prayed before he chose the disciples. In Luke 6 12, the Bible tells us he prayed all night. In Luke 5 16, the Bible says he often withdrew himself from the crowd and he went to a solitary place and there he prayed. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 22 that when he was in agony, he even prayed the more. They realized that this man was full of prayer. In the book of Luke chapter 9, the verse 28, the Bible says that he went to the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. It was changed and his raiment began to glister. And any time Jesus came out from the prayer closet, something supernatural happened. Go and check your Bible. When he returned from fasting and prayer, the Bible says in Luke 4.14, and he returned in the power of the Spirit, and his fame spread abroad. When you read downwards the next two, three verses, the Bible says he was in a synagogue, and the, pres the power of God was present to heal. So they realized that this thing Jesus was doing called miracles, raising the dead, was from a source. So they came to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, the verse 1. They said, Master, do what? Teach us to pray. They didn't say, teach us to preach. They didn't say, teach us to work miracles. They didn't say, teach us to raise the dead. He said, teach us to teach. He didn't say, teach us to walk in the supernatural. Teach us to cast out devils. Because casting out devils, working miracles, preaching, teaching, demonstrating power, signs and wonders are resources. They are treasures that are in the secret place. They come along with you from the secret place. So they knew that anytime Jesus came out from the secret place, these things accompany him. So they didn't ask for miracles. They asked to be taught to pray. For your information, Jesus never schooled the disciples on how to cast out devils. He never schooled them on how to work miracles. But when he went, he knew, they knew what he did to do them. When they did them, they saw the same things. To the extent that even their shadows was healing sick. These were the same apostles in the book of Acts 1.14. Whilst they were waiting for the promise of the Spirit, they were praying. In Acts 2, the verse 42, the Bible says they continue steadfastly in apostles' doctrines and in breaking of bread and in fellowship and in prayers. In Acts 6, the verse 4, when they were tempted to choose to serve tables rather than the word of God, they said, we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So they knew that the secret to Jesus' success in ministry was not because he was the son of God, but because as a son of God, he learned to spend time with God. Hear me? I'll blow your theology today. The great riches or the greatest wealth lies not in the grave. I beg to differ a little from Dr. Miles Moron. You know Dr. Miles Moron said that the richest place is the grave. Because there, there are unborn potentials. There were books that were supposed to be written that were never written. There were gifts that were supposed to be explored that was never explored. That's great. But I'm back to differ a bit. Because if all our wealth is in a grave, then we have lost something. The greatest riches and wealth is in a secret place. All the songs you ever write, they are there. Divine wisdom and supernatural intelligence is there. That was where Daniel receive wisdom and understanding to narrate and interpret dreams. That was the secret place. How a hand wrote many, many tekel ofasin and Daniel was able to decode it. It came from there. The secret place. 
the secret place. That is where God's highest resources dwells. Hear me? If you have a wisdom problem, you have a prayer problem. If you have a power problem, you have a prayer problem. If you have an anointing problem, it's a prayer problem. Every major failure begins with failure to pray. Because hear me, everything we know about God can be duplicated and replicated in us. So if God is the only wise God, he can share his wisdom. If God is all powerful, you can taste of his power. I'll tell you something. We are in war. Tell someone we are in war. One, one more time. We are in war. And guess what? The devil's major strategy is to attack our weapons and our artilleries in the spirit. Let me tell you something. One of the strategies of Russia when we were fighting Ukraine was that they realized that the Europeans were providing weapons and artillery for them. And they used a certain town or region to transport those weapons to a station. And Russia knew that when these weapons arrive, they are in trouble. In fact, one of the weapons, they can, they, one of the missiles, they can shoot miles away. It will enter into Russian camp and destroy them. So, because Russia knew what the artilleries and the weapons they are about to receive and can do to them, they targeted the station where the artilleries are coming and destroyed those weapons. And beloved, when your weapons are destroyed, you become vulnerable. And I want you to know something, that the two greatest weapons of the believer is the word of God and prayer. So hear me. The devil knows what those two artilleries can do in damage to his kingdom. So the very two artilleries and weapons Satan seeks to destroy is the word of God and prayer. He knows he cannot corrupt the word. So what he does is that he corrupts the heart that receives the word. That's what the Bible says. The farmer wants to sow seed. The same quality seed. But the Bible says some fell upon the way. Those who hear the word of God do not understand it. Their enemy steals it. It fell upon tongues. They heard the word of God. But because of affliction and persecution, they got offended. Some fell upon tongues, but because they had no root in God, they could not grow. And some fell upon the good soil. So you see, the problem was not with the seed. The problem was with the soil. So Satan corrupts the heart so the seed becomes useless. That's what he does. Number two, he literally stops believers from opening their Bible. Have you realized how difficult it is to open a Bible than to open a movie? Listen, anytime you fail to open this book, you are under attack. I'm telling you something here. Whatever prevents you from touching this book, whether beautiful, 
nice excuse, you are still under attack. Because sometimes, many, many people don't know that sometimes Satan can use legitimate excuses to keep you from traveling in God. Because you see, when he uses the very obvious ones, like sinning, you really identify it that this one is sin, it's lie. It's fornication, so you can detect it. But he can use your two-year-old son. Who, that boy would deliberately wake up at 5 a.m. So, at that time, you have to go and take the boy and pamper him. Isn't it legitimate? But by the time the boy sleeps, it's 6.30, you have to go to work. Because of time, listen. So, 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 the second thing he destroys is prayer. I love what one man said. He said, no one is a firmer believer in the power of prayer than the devil himself. Not because he practices it, but because he suffers from it. Prayer. <laughs> I'm going to shock you. Do you know that the word of God is a sword? So Satan knows when you wield it, you become dangerous. So he makes sure you don't carry it. And prayer is not just a weapon. No. Prayer is a portal into the spirit. That's why it's, it is the greatest of all weapons. Because you can have the weapon, but without the realm of advantage, you can't use them. The last time I was watching, some years ago, you know, this movie acted by Mel Gibson. Of, you know, these, oh, what's it? Apocalypto. They were in a small town and then the enemies came and carried them. Let me just shorten it. And he managed, you know, so they, they were trying to kill them and then one of them, who, who was the blue man, he managed to escape and he ran and the enemies were chasing him. And the mistake they did was that they should have killed him before he entered his hometown. When he entered his hometown, he didn't run again. He turned to them and said, Kero shake po kenekwa. Hello, so Heru, Heru. <laughs> it's part of the teaching. Interpret it. <laughs> what he was telling them by interpretation of tongues is that I have come to my advantage. I don't run again because I know every space, I know everywhere I can use to bring you down. And he moved. So, listen. Prayer is how we transcend into our place of advantage. That's our headquarters. Listen, there's a bank downstairs. It's called UMB, right? But it's a branch. If they go through any kind of complication which they know they can't solve, where do they go to? Headquarters. You know what? Headquarters has, has the resources to be able to solve those problems. If you go to a hospital, like a private hospital, that doesn't have surgeons and all that, and you have a, 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 a complicated health challenge, where do they refer you to, usually? To Kolebu. Why? Because they have the expertise, the experience, the equipment, the machines, the, the doctors who are well experienced to be able to take care of you. So, they have to refer 
So listen, prayer is how we do divine referrals to an environment, to a realm that has all the skill, the expertise, the angelic host, the power that can be able to solve the problems that are bigger than you. So prayer is how the believer travels into his place of advantage and mocks the devil. Hear me? There's a reason why Satan is described as a serpent and why the believer is described as an eagle. To tell us that the devil's place of advantage is the flesh, the ground. The believer's place of advantage is the heavens. So when an eagle is found on the ground, he can, he's in a place that is not his advantage. So the serpent can coil him. Hear me? The last time in a prayer camp, I told you of how a mosquito came into my dimension. Eh? It was around me. And then I tried killing it. Once, twice, I clamped. This mosquito didn't die. And before I realized, the mosquito began to travel high. The mosquito now went to a place where my jumping couldn't reach. You know what? Because I was not created to exist in that realm. So, at that time, the mosquito was in his place of influence. Hear me. Anytime the believer operates in the flesh, he's in the place of advantage of the devil. Remember, he's described as a serpent. And there was a curse that you shall eat dust. And God said to man, you shall return to the dust. That means dust is the food for the devil. And if man returns to the dust, that means the carnal realm or the fleshy realm is Satan's food. So any believer who works in the flesh is Satan's diet. He, you are his fried rice. That tells you that crying, huh? if that crying is not directed in prayer, that crying is fleshly and it cannot produce an advantage. A fish is in its place of advantage as long as it remains in the sea. A bird is in its place of advantage as long as it remains in the air. Creeping animals are in their place of advantage as long as they are creeping upon the earth. The believer is in his place of advantage as long as he walks in the spirit via prayer. So every situation that looks unsurmountable Take it to your realm. I'm teaching good here. So hear me. Prayer is the believer's advantage. I'm going to give you 10 minutes and we pray. Now, What advantages does prayer give the believer? Hmm. Number one. Prayer generates power. Prayer, that's what? Generates power. Now, isn't it amazing when you read the book of Ephesians chapter 1 from the verse 15, the apostle said, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for one another, I do not cease to make mention of you in my prayers. 
that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what's the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who are believed. Now, the word exceeded in Greek means hupabalo. That means to throw beyond the mark. The word greatness is from the Greek word megatos, from which we have megaton, which is a unit of explosive power equivalent to one million tons of trinitrotoluene. Just one unit was dropped in Hiroshima and that country has never been the same again. And the Bible says that you have one million tons. So, what we are saying is that when Christ rose, the greatest power God ever vested through time and eternity and will never demonstrate such power again was in raising Jesus from the dead. And the Bible is telling us that that same power that raised Jesus is the same power that raised you. Hey! Far above all principalities and powers and might and every and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but what? In that which is to come. So, if I've been raised, if the resurrection power is at work in me, why am I not seeing it in my life? Can I answer you? Now, this knowledge will help you. Anything electronic must be powered. Likewise, anything spiritual must be powered. I repeat myself. Anything electronic must be what? Powered. Likewise, anything spiritual must be powered. This phone has so many functions. But without constant charging, power, empowerment, all the functions on this phone will be useless when it goes off. Which means that your life will be useless when it is not powered. The potentials you have, the glorious power of God that you received will remain dormant if you are not powered. This microphone is functioning because it is powered. This keyboard is functioning because it is powered. This light is functioning because it is powered. Our laptops are functioning because it is powered. Our tablets are functioning because it is what? Powered! Which tells us that our spiritual lives will function when it is powered. And how do we power it? I pray. I've seen Christians who faithfully charge their phones but don't charge their spirit. I've seen men who faithfully take their cars for maintenance every three months but never take their souls for maintenance every day. Wow. So I never knew you care so much about your car than your soul. And God is making us understand through the things which are seen. He makes us know his eternal Godhead by the things which are clearly seen. So anything we see by nature is supposed to be a message for us to our spiritual life. So if a man can take his car for fueling to be able to move, God is telling us actually we move on fuel. 
without fuel, you can be driving Lamborghini. It will be useless. And for information, if your car is empty on fuel, it does not mean the fuel is completely finished. It means what is inside cannot power the car. Simple. So what prayer does is to generate power. Tell somebody generate power. I'll shock you here. In the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, and he shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Now, now, what the Bible is trying to tell us is that the moment you receive the Holy Ghost, what accompanies is what? Power. So, a lot of Christians are deceived to think that once you believe Jesus Christ, you have received power, therefore, power is operating. But actually, that power you, you received was potential power. Have you realized that when you buy a new phone, those times, they tell you you have to charge the battery. How many hours? Six hours before you use it. Meanwhile, the battery had power. But it was essential to keep the battery from destroying. Are you following this thing at all? So, listen. The believer received power in potential. That power must be uncovered. It must be discovered. That power must be generated. So, in the book of James, come to James chapter 5. I love the word of God. James chapter 5. Let's see the verse 16. All right, now, okay. So, now look. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Now, give that to me in Amplified. Now, look at what Amplified says. He says the earnest, heartfelt, continued. Are you seeing that? So this one is not um, a one-month affair. He says continual prayer of a righteous man makes what? Tremendous power. What? Available. When something is made available, that means it can be ready for use. So, by virtue of the Holy Ghost, you receive power. By virtue of prayer, you generate and make it available. Are you following this? So, prayer generates what? Power. Look at the book of Acts chapter 4. Acts 4. Let's read from the verse 28. Now, he says, for to do. Now, this was when the apostles were persecuted by the chief priests put in prison, they were uh, released later on and they came to the prayer grounds. So they said, for to do whatsoever the hand and the council determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with boldness they may speak thy word. Now look at the verse 30. Stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child. And when they had prayed, the place was what? Shaking when they were assembled together and they were all what filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak the word of God with what boldness and the multitude of them that believe were of one heart and of one soul, neither did any of them of the things of which he possessed was his own, but they all had all things in common. Now look at the verse 33. The Bible says, And with great what power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of our Lord. Now, what came first? What came first? Prayer. And what came second? Power. 
So hear me. There is no power coming from anywhere outside of prayer. So listen. Prayer has no substitute. What prayer can do is what prayer can do. Mm. So you can't substitute prayer for offering. Hmm. I'm teaching Guriel. Ephesians 3.20 It says unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That means there are dimensions of power working in every believer. Have you realized that we are all Ghanaians? Right? But as we are all Ghanaians, we are not in the same class. Have you realized that? There are some Ghanaians. If you go to their house, security will shoot you. <laughs> you can insult everybody, but there are some Ghanaians. When you insult them, you'll be in jail. So if you go and stand there and say, are we, after all, are we not Ghanaians? Okay. Go to Flagstaff House. You just try entering without permission. You understand that not all Ghanaians are the same. So that means some have ranking. <laughs> Please, are you getting what I'm saying? So listen, power is what separates believers. I saw something in my Bible, I was shocked. In the book of Luke chapter 5, the verse 16. Luke 5, 16. Uh, Are you there? Now the Bible says, and he redrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Now, look at the verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the what? Power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, how did how was that power made available? Prayer. So the Bible is teaching us the series of Jesus. The wonders of Jesus came from a source, the secret place. Now, look at the book of Mark chapter 6, the verse 46. Mark 6, 46. Are you there? Now, look. He says, and when he has sent them away, so Jesus was busy with the crowds. He had to send the multitude away. And the Bible says he departed into a mountain. And what did he do there? He prayed. Now, look at the verse 55. So just some few verses later. The Bible says, and ran through the whole region runabout and began to carry about the beds of those that were sick when they had they heard he was. And whithsoever he entered into villages, cities, countries, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch of it. 
that they might touch of it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. What? Whole. What, what, what's the source of this? See, prayer made him so anointed that his clothes became anointed. So listen, anytime you trace any power activity of Jesus, it came from a prayer activity. Read your Bible. You see it. <laughs> so look at Mark chapter 5 verse 30. Mark 5 30. Look, so this one came before Mark 6 where I just read where he went to the mountain to go and pray. Look what happened to Jesus. The Bible says, and immediately knowing, that was after the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus. Knowing in himself that what? Virtue, that is power had what? Gone out of him. He turned about in the press and said what? Who touched my clothes? So, in Jesus himself eh, power left him. So, I'll tell you the reason why Jesus was always praying. Because Jesus understood the principle about man that you leak every day. So, yesterday's prayer is not sufficient for today. <laughs> hey, this one is serious. Oh. So, that's why he said that the fire on the altar, what? shall ever be burning. So every morning they had to go and cut fresh wood, place it on the fire so that that wood doesn't become ashes. There are some of you, your altar is full of ashes. It's been two months ago. You know the prayers you are praying now? You say you are busy, so you, play, you, you pray flash prayers. They call it ejaculatory prayers. Is the right way though. Oh Lord, help me for today. God bless you, God. <laughs> then you leave the house. Listen, short prayers are a foundation for longer prayers. So you are only permitted to pray shortly after you have prayed for long. I'll give an example. Jesus will pray all night. When he sees sickness, he says, be healed. Only two words. So, you know, most of you are using two words to handle huge issues. So, you see a believer who, who is a stranger in a secret place, seeing a sick person and say, I adjure you by the name of the Jesus I'm serving. If I be a prophet, God of God, bro. Mommy, my daughter. Baby, before I. You are a stranger. Tomorrow by this time. Oh, what do we got tomorrow by this time? In 1 Corinthians 14, he said, He that speaketh in a known tongue does not speak unto men, but unto God. How be it the utters what mysteries in the spirit? It goes on to say that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue and defied charges himself like a car battery. So prayer is how to charge. So you can be in charge. 
So tell somebody, learn to charge yourself. Before I heard the mic, I, I woke up. What, when, what time did I wake up? I woke up at 1 o'clock. I just blessed the Lord in worship till 1.20. From 1.20, I prayed till 8 a.m. Then I read my Bible. Slept for one hour, 30 minutes. Woke up again. From 2 o'clock to 7 o'clock, I was praying. Before you see me holding this microphone. What we are trying to tell you is that there are things in God you cannot extract except you learn to spend time in the secret place. I'm telling you. I have sold myself to the secret place. I'll sleep there. You generate power. Hey! See, Technically, a favor shouldn't be a prayer topical. Sometimes when I lead you in favor, I, I want you to pray. And sometimes feel good. But favor is a rem. When you get there, you don't pray it. It happens to you. People just can't ignore you. These are extra benefits we enjoy from the secret place. You just know what to do. So on this 40 days fast that I'm on, part of the prayers I've been praying is concerning our building project. Just about last week, the Lord made me read the book of Ezra and I found five secrets on how to build an auditorium supernaturally. I found it. So we won't struggle. Your amen will even make it come to pass. It is coming to pass. <laughs> Praise him. Listen. <gasps> there is, listen. There is pleasure in God. Huh? I'm telling you. I found something in God. There's a battle for power in the spirit. There's a battle for power in the kingdom of darkness. They are all battling to be in charge of a territory, of a realm, of a family. So listen to me. Whoever pray, pays the highest price will be in control. So, have you realized that no matter how tired the witch is, he still go for, for meeting at 12 a.m.? Oh, you don't know. Maybe let me educate you. No matter how tired the witch is, Oko meeting. Orinam. There's no excuse. The witch will still go for meeting. Sacrifice his son. His sister. Auntie. So that he can be more powerful. Even witches fast, I've told you already. Now they're both floats. Both floats and we tear pen open. Yeah, you're only 40. Why can't you zero and why in the four? <laughs> 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 
and you are eating your future in the now. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you have time now, pray. Eh? Because the time is going to come. Eh? You'll be looking for resources and energy to pray. At that time, it's too late. Generate power now. At all costs. I've told you that prayer is a thermometer and a thermostat, right? What does a thermometer do? It measures temperature. That's what a thermometer does. Which means your prayer life is a measurement of your spiritual temperature, whether you are cold or hot. So listen to me. If you don't pray as a believer, you are cold. If you are still wondering, I'm telling you, you are cold. And for your information, anything that is cold, anything can step on it. Anything can stand on it. A house fly can be on contemporary that is cold. And I'm not going to on you see. Okay, I'm fasting to me in now. I told you of the waiting we went the last time. On the 21st day on water, we were so weak that when we saw fire, we saw chicken. So the fire was passing, we saw a chicken thigh that was moving. We saw soup. Praise God. Try putting on a co pot, make it hot. Let's see the house fly that comes. You see, anything is hopping on you, last is hopping on you, wrong thoughts hopping on you. All kinds of things hopping on. You know why? Because you're not hot. I'm teaching good here. Hmm. Number two, before I close. Prayer bets supernatural deliverance and protection. Prayer bets supernatural deliverance and protection. If you open your Bibles to the book of Psalm 91, you're going to see some amazing things there. Psalm 91. Now, before you read all the beautiful things in Psalm 91, you have to really read the verse 1 to be able to understand these things in Psalm 91 so that the next time you are quoting the promise of God, you are careful. Now, what does the verse 1 say? Let's read together. Shout as loudly as possible. One, two, go. So, what is the context of Psalm 91? He that what? Not visited. Not comes and goes. Not comes when there's trouble. He that what? Dwelleth. Prayer has become your life. Your lifestyle. Shall abide under the what? Do you remember that the shadow of Peter healed the sick? It was not his shadow. It was the shadow of the Almighty. Because that was where he was living. Now he goes on to tell us, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Before you start shouting, the verse 1, he that dwelleth, it is he that he shall deliver from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers under his wings shall thy trust. You know, when you read the verse 11, he says that, for he shall give his angels charge over thee. They shall keep thee in all thy ways. In the verse 10, he says, There shall no evil before thee, neither shall any plague come near thee. 
when you read from the verse 7, he says, A thousand shall fall on thy side, ten thousand on thy right hand. Only it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. What is the source of Psalm 91? He that dwelleth. So what we are saying is that there is supernatural deliverance and protection to the man that prays. I'm teaching good here. Oh, look at the book of Acts chapter 12, the verse 1 to 6. When you read that verse, it will amaze you to know that James was a very powerful man. They just got to a place, they were relaxed because they saw power and they felt that everything was going well. Until James was arrested, the church said, oh, come on, James? James, James is a very powerful man. James will know how to come out. You let's leave him. Before he realize, he will, he will disappear and appear. Before they realize, James' head, room, has gone. Peter was also arrested. He was about to be killed. And the church said, no, 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 no. In the verse 5, it tells us that then immediately, look at the verse 5. He says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God. For who? For him. Look at what happened. He says, okay, come to the next verse. And behold, the angel after prayer, what happened? The angel. Now, it will shock you to know that it was God that fetched the angel. But actually, it was prayer that fetched the angel. So, prayer made God release angels to bring deliverance to who? Peter. After prayer. That means that that same angel would have been made available if they prayed for James. Hey. I'm teaching good here. If you go and read the book of Esther, you realize that Israel was about to be wiped. The whole of Israel was about to be wiped. The whole of Israel. The whole nation was about to be wiped. Unto Esther called for a three days fast and prayer. And guess what? That was how Israel was saved. Paul and Silas, the Bible tells us at midnight when they were in prison, bleeding, they were singing praises. It's a form of prayer. The Bible says there was an earthquake. The prisons were opened. Prayer will open doors for you. Tell somebody prayer will open doors for you. Hallelujah. Do you know that when Satan appeared to God, bargaining over the life of Job, Satan acknowledged and said, Hast thou not created or made a hedge around Job and around his properties and around his children? So I got to realize that God can even protect your properties. He can protect your car. He can protect your house. He can protect your business. Are you following me here? So hear me. You realize that the secret of Job was in his prayer life. I see a hedge of protection around your life. I said I see a hedge of protection around your life. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 19. Look at what the apostle said. He said for I know this shall tend to my salvation. That's the word deliverance. Through your prayers and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So now, 
Another word for supplication is a supply of the spirit. So when you pray, what do you supply? The spirit. Quickly, number three before we close. Prayer is an intercourse with God which bets multifaceted possibilities. I repeat myself. Prayer is an intercourse with God which bets multifaceted possibilities. Now listen. I've explained something to you. That the real deal in prayer is not what prayer does for you. The real deal in prayer is what prayer does to you. And what we mean by that is that if the goal of your prayer is just to receive answers. And for example, you pray for a car and you had a car. There is nothing eternal about a car. Because a car can get spoiled, it can get damaged. Can give you problems and when you die, you don't go with your car. I get in it too. So if prayer has got to do with only asking for your needs and your wants, then trust me, you can't get much with prayer. Prayer is a fusion between creator and creation. That's how they fuse. And the best way you can use to describe it is an intercourse. So prayer is an intercourse with God. And we know that when a man and a woman has intercourse, something is transferred from the man into the woman which begins to change the woman suddenly her stomach is protruding new life is birthed inside her suddenly her diet changes suddenly she begins to increase please are you following what I'm saying you know what because something has entered tell somebody listen when you fuse with God someone is looking at prophet Felix but we are <laughs> so what we are trying to say is that when a man fuses with God there is something in God God deposits inside you <laughs> I saw a verse here. it will shock you now look at this look at Isaiah chapter 66 the verse 7 now look, he says that before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. Now look at the verse 8. He says, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. That means prayer births supernatural possibilities. Things that you can never imagine that can happen. Prayer can make it happen. Someone said prayer is omnipotent. That means what God can do, prayer can do. That's powerful. So listen, anytime we are praying, eh, we are betting realities. As soon as Zion travels, she brought forth. So hear me. Prayer is more than answers. Prayer is a love walk with God. Today I use close to two hours only in worship and adoration. Close to two hours. I was lost. Worshipping, 
praising, adoration. I, I never asked him for anything. Because I am in a living, active relationship with this God. And out of about 11 hours of prayer today, I can tell you, even I didn't even pray 10 minutes for a personal need. Because I come to a place and ah, I'm enjoying God. I'm enjoying God. I'm telling you. Listen, let your prayer life eh, be a consecrated reality where you walk with God. You, you walk with him. You are not there because you are looking for a miracle. You are there because you love him. So early in the morning, it's not you binding and losing. You just sing on him. There is none like you. No one else could touch my heart like you do. And I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. You are the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation. Now revealed in you are grace. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Christ, Christ my King. King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Blessed be the Lord who reigns forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the Lord who reigns forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord who reigns forevermore. Who reigns forevermore. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you reign, you ancient Zion's king. Kadosh, Kadosh, you mighty on your throne. You reign, you reign, you reign, you reign. So now imagine as you started prayer and that's how you're doing it. 30 minutes, you lose yourself. You see, when you, you, you time, time doesn't matter again. You're struggling to pray for two hours. 
ah no 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 sometimes if i say i want to pray two hours by the time i get to that 130 minutes i have blessed the lord giving him glory blessed him showed him how much i love him express my love to him oh father i bless you you are my king i love you the one who parted the sea you gave me your spirit now i'm a son of god blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed me with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in christ for you chose me you before the foundations of the world that i should be holy and without blame before you in love i praise you for in you i have redemption through your blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his glory wherein he has made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence what a god i bless you my father i give you glory you are the joy of the whole world worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power glory blessings riches and wisdom and power you begin to just praise him by the time you realize 30 minutes is gone meanwhile i've not even asked him of your needs and god is enjoying you god is enjoying you he's enjoying it he wants to have more he wants to have more of you all the riches and the treasures of redemption is supposed to convert into praise that's what the bible says in Ephesians to the praise of his glory so you must praise him so in Hebrews 13 verse 15 he says that let us continually by him therefore offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name that's how we praise him we give him thanks we praise him 